all I gotta say is, man, I think we ain't done yet. I think we ain't done yet. Here we go, baby. Nine is on three. One, two, three. Welcome to this NFC Championship edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, the 49ers face the Rams in the NFC Championship game at their home away from home, Lefi Stadium. The NFC West truly is the NFC best after all. And with me this week, dropping Wordle bombs all over your iMessages, it's David Newman. I got to start sending them to you, I guess. You're, you're you in do. now, huh? I am. I'm officially in. I've, in. Uh, I've entered Wordle Gang. It's it's live. I, I did my first one two days ago, I think. Uh, this was after uh, after full dad me going into the Discord, the Better Rivals Discord, and going, "All right, guys, what's a wordle?" <laughs> <And> <laughs> Every time uh, I hear it, I just think to myself, "Bortles." Let's go, wordle. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's it's fun. It's a good game. I, I now know that there's also a site where you can play historical wordle games, nope. so you're not limited to one a day. No thanks. I like being uh, limited to one a day. That's actually my favorite thing about wordle. You're not the only person to say that. And and yeah, we've got a whole we've got a wordle channel in Discord. It's great. It's you know we can keep it segregated so it doesn't flood the feeds of people who don't want to listen to it. But it's wonderful. Wordles are are here. They're great. It's it's up there in the pantheon with uh, words with friends. Farmville. Uh, what other uh, Zeitgeist uh, games HQ? were there? Oh, I know. oh yeah, that's right. HQ, the trivia game that was there for a hot minute. Man, was into that for for just a minute. Candy Crush, another one that was uh, never, was popular. Never for did a that one. Yeah. yeah, I did that one. It was great. Um, but here we are. It's the NFC Championship game. It's the preview. What? And as the Niners said, we ain't done yet. One more game. If you could have plotted a path for the 49ers and thought this is their likely route to the Super Bowl, did it include the Rams? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, should we just get straight to the Super Bowl preview or like you want to start looking at, I, I, at Chiefs Bengals stuff? Like what's going on here? I cannot. I like there's a big piece of me that's like, yeah, six in a row. Shanahan lives rent free in McVay's head. Like this is <laughs> this is a thing that's going to happen. They are they they are the best matchup for us if you're going to face a team in the NFC Championship game. And then there's another piece of me that's like six games like that's that's a lot. And McVay is not a bad coach and the Rams are not a bad team. They're here for a reason. They're built, you know, for the modern game. Uh, and then McVay is like, ha ha. But we don't necessarily have a modern football team in quite the same way. So uh, e- even though this is a game with two offensive minded head coaches, we're going to start with the defense because that's what's been fueling the 49ers game over the last few weeks. And it really did fuel their game against the Green Bay Packers. And the thing that I think is going to be really interesting in this game right off the top is whether like who's going to disguise their defensive approach. Why do they disguise it? And who's going to really end up on top? Because both of these offenses have the opportunity to score points and it really is going to be okay. Which defense is going to step up? And if it's the Niners defense, I mean, hey, the, the Niners have a real shot. Right. I, I mean, I think, yeah, defense is obvious. Like, because you have two offensive-minded head coaches, and, and that's kind of what both these teams are known for, right, is kind of what they do on that side of the ball. The the team that is able to kind of slow down the opposing offense, right, the most, it seems to have a, a high likelihood of coming out on top in this one. I think 
Yeah, in terms of uh, the disguise and the approach that the 49ers try to take on their side, I mean, it'll be interesting because we saw last week against the Packers them really go pretty heavy in, in terms of trying to disguise, especially in, in those high leverage situations on third downs. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they kind of continue that against this offense, uh, you know, that the Rams have. Yeah, I think if you're the Rams and you're thinking about, you know, so you ask yourself the question, why have the Niners been so successful against the Rams, especially on offense? Well, part of it is what we've talked about the last two times the Niners faced the Rams, and it's just because the Rams are a too high defense. Generally, they love to play with light boxes, and that doesn't necessarily bode well with the type of offense that the 49ers love to run. They're built to really stop a modern passing offense. And the Niners don't lead with modern passing offenses. They lead with modern running offenses. And that's where they go first, right? But even when you are trying to, you know, kind of play your game against the 49ers, because their game is not like a lot of other offenses, you, you can't really approach it the same way. This stat comes from PFF, uh, from Eric Eager, friend of the pod. And he was talking a lot about why the Niners have been so successful against the Rams. And he looked at disguising coverages and what the Rams do against most teams and what the Rams were able to do against the 49ers. And he found that on early downs, the Rams disguise their coverage 21% of the time, the first three quarters. Against the 49ers, though, that's just 14%. Something about what the 49ers do force them into more static looks. Um, and, and, and really I think that has a lot to do with how Shanahan structures his offense and what Shanahan likes to do. It's hard to disguise your defense when there's a lot of moving parts and when you're trying to get lots of people in the run fit. Right. And, and just for clarity to disguise in, in this context is basically meaning are the safeties rotating, but, but are what the, the safeties show pre-snap the same thing that they end up playing post-snap, right? So if you're showing kind of a too high open coverage look pre-snap, do you stay in that or do you rotate to single high, same vice versa, right? So that's kind of what we're looking at here for disguise and in, in those numbers. And I think the, the thing that the 49ers do, and they do it more than any team in the NFL is all of the motion and shifts that you get on the offensive side, right? That, that kind of dictates and makes it difficult for the defense to be able to disguise because the 49ers, so much of their motion and their shifting is is kind of changing the picture for the defense, sometimes, a lot of times, at the last minute, right? So it's it's things like you're, you're motioning a player across the formation, changing strength, and so now gaps are going to change. You know, safeties may have to, to get to different spots, and so it's it's hard to disguise defensively when you're worried about just kind of getting the basics right right you just need to get everybody lined up correctly make sure all your gaps are accounted for make sure everybody knows you know what coverage assignments they have as is all of this stuff is happening in front of you offensively right so i think that's kind of the big thing is is the 49ers just don't give you a lot of opportunity to kind of sit and and dictate defensively right and they don't show you the same picture as they come out of the huddle up to the snap very frequently right so it's it's they're moving around so much you're having to react to what they're doing you don't have enough time to be able to to go through and do your own thing yeah so that, that 21 percent and 14 percent number that i talked about earlier that's actually all teams against the 49ers if you look at what the rams do specifically on first and second down they typically disguise their coverages 43 percent of the time but against the Niners, it's just a tick under 30%. So what the Niners are able to do is provide more static looks from the defense 
And that means that whether it's your quarterback taking advantage of that or your blockers who know exactly who they're going to go to get in the blocking scheme, that ultimately makes the picture a little easier for the offense. And now the offense is on the front foot. And that's what can generally give the 49ers some momentum when you're forcing more static pictures from a defense in the Rams that really does like to disguise things. I mean, you talk a lot about Brandon Staley last year, and they're keeping a lot of the similar philosophies this year with that too high shell and disguising coverages. The Niners, based on the way they play offense, are basically like, nope, not going to let you do it. We're going to we're gonna force you to tell us what you're going to do, and then we're just going to whack you over the head with it. Right. I, I mean, I think that's it's the most difficult thing to prepare for and to deal with uh, about the 49ers offense, right, is all of the movement that they show you pre-snap and just what that changes. And, and, and again, so many of these motions, you think about a lot of the stuff that Juice does and the way that they use him from a motion perspective. Uh, it's it's last second stuff right before the snap, right? And it's uh, a lot of times it's changing the strength of the formation or it, it at least is like changing things enough that you're getting different angles on your blocks, right? And, and so it just like, it's really tough for a defense to be able to respond to all of that that stuff that they're doing, everything that they're showing you right before the ball gets snapped. And, and, and so, yeah, I think it's just incredibly difficult to deal with. And, and if you're trying to be complex on your own, you're just asking yourself to to end up with missed assignments, right? Which is what they want. That's why the 49ers do all that stuff so much is to try to get guys out of place and, and not have them be in the right spots. Yeah. And so the, the 49ers on offense are, are really going to need some points. And, and they're going to need points despite the fact that, you know, they, they seem to have gotten enough points against the Rams in most other games. And and when they're, the Rams aren't able to disguise their coverage, the, in, in coverage, it may not be that big of a deal because the Niners are going to be run first. And when you think about the run fronts that the Rams are going to throw at them, well, they've already given you two strategies so far in the two games that the Niners have faced against them. The first game at week 10, they went with their two high shell. And the Niners are like, cool, let's go for an 18 play drive again and again and again. And, and then in week 18, they decided that they, that they were going to really rush defenders and, and put them all on the line. And that was kind of effective. Um, it worked until really it didn't. And, and it didn't because the Rams really kind of eased up and, and they eased up in that second half. And that's what allowed the, the Rams to get back in it. I'm sorry, the Niners to get back in it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was it, obviously it, until they got up, um, the Rams got up big in that game and then they kind of reverted back to what they typically do um, defensively. Right. And playing all that too high stuff. And that kind of opened things up because just the moment that they thought like, OK, surely the 49ers are about ready to kind of abandon the run game a little bit, go to more drop back passing, which is is what the Rams want. Right. Again, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Right. That's what they're built for. That's the type of offense that they have, have looked to go out and stop is, is the team's like the the Chiefs and the in the Bengals on the AFC side, right? Where they're throwing the ball a bunch and uh you want to have your good pass rushers, you want to have good secondary players and and be built to play in those spread formations and defend the pass. And and so yeah, it's difficult when you go up against a team like the 49ers that are the complete opposite end of the spectrum in in that regard, right? So I think yeah, it it you would expect given the success that they had in the first half of that week 18 game for them to maybe go back to that and then try to stick with it a little bit longer, right? And and not be so quick to kind of pull the trigger and get back to the too high stuff. Um, but it's it's obviously going to be big because, yeah, how how well they can do against the 49ers run game is going to dictate so much uh, of how this game flow goes and what the game script looks like. 
that's why I think that maybe this is like this is shaping up to be a Jimmy game. Like it really is. If you're if you're McVeigh or you're that Rams defense and you're thinking to yourself, okay, we're gonna go ahead and put six men on the on the line of scrimmage. We're we're maybe gonna do that six one stuff that the Rams tried to do in in the game in week eighteen. We're not gonna let them beat us with the run. And even and even if it looks like they need to throw the ball, we're still going to crowd the line of scrimmage. Now you have to have Jimmy go ahead and, and make some successful plays. And he had some he had some good throws against the Packers that were dropped. You know, a touchdown to George Kittle that we talked about. Um, you know, he has made plays and he made some plays in, in week 18 against the Rams as well. Week 10, not so much. But week 18, he also had some good throws too. It would not surprise me if the, the Niners, especially early, came out and said, okay, you're going to load the front. Then we're going to go ahead and, and start throwing, especially if they get a, a little bit of, or they give Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit of man coverage. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if they were to come out on that first drive and kind of go a little heavier towards throwing the ball just to kind of get him off guard, I mean, I think that would make a little sense. Obviously, um, we know that eventually they're going to kind of settle in and try to get back to that run game and and go forward with that. I mean, Shanahan, I, I feel like every uh, announcer the last like month or two has just been talking about how Shanahan said something about needing to get to 40 runs, right? He wants to get to 40 runs or whatever it is. It's like, Jesus Christ. Um, but we know that they're going to go back to that at some point. But I think, yeah, it, it would make sense to kind of come out and give them a, a little bit of tendency breaking in that opening script, right? And come out, throw the ball a little bit, maybe go straight into your play action stuff. Like try to try to hit them when they're prepared for the run, right? Take advantage of of maybe guys being a little too anxious to come up and, and fill those run responsibilities and see if you can get kind of some cheap big plays in the passing game to set things up, right? I think it would be nice usually – everything with their offense is is run to set up the pass and and this would be maybe a game where they could look to go past to set up the run a little bit more right and and kind of throw them off guard uh with that and then fall back to kind of the the run game that we know is going to be there and the 49ers are going to need points and if they get into the red zone i think this is going to be a game where they're going to have to get back to early season 49ers red zone offense because the, in their first 14 games, they scored a touchdown on a league-leading 73.8% of their red zone trips. And after that, they are 6 for 16. Last five games, 37.5%. So that's probably a little bit of regression to the mean. I don't know that it's necessarily any specific thing or singular thing that the Niners are or are not doing. Because 73%, 74% really where they were at is really high. I mean, it's league-leading. And, and so if they, if they kind of end up even better than middle of the pack... There's still some non-touchdowns that they're going to get there uh, near the near the end of the on their most recent red zone trips, and so I think if they're gonna you know kind of do some damage and actually convert, they're gonna need to convert those red zone opportunities into points because we know the Rams' offense now that Odell Beckham is a bit more integrated into that offense now that they've got Cam Akers Cam Akers back and he looks like he's spry and healthy that they they may need to put up some points. Right, and I think especially off of I mean the the thing that we've seen. Uh, from the Rams offense in these first two games, right, is Stafford is is going to give you some opportunities to make plays defensively and get some turnovers, right? And so if you can can turn those into, which a lot of times, right, when they get those interceptions are going to be uh, setting your offense up in good field position and short fields to work with. And so when they have those opportunities and they can get deep into Rams ter- territory there and get into, you know, the red zone, it absolutely is going to be huge for them to capitalize on those. And, and yeah, I 
I think in terms of uh, whether there's something wrong or something to be worried about in in, in terms of the uh, you know success that they've had in those last five games. I, I'm not ready to go there yet. I mean, um, it, it's just, yeah, one of those things that they were really, really good for a large portion of the season, and it, like at an unsustainable rate. And now we've seen that fall back to, to earth a little bit. Uh, and it's going to be random things that cause that a lot of times, right? And, and sometimes it's just uh, as simple as like maybe poor Jimmy decisions early on in the season didn't get picked off by the defense. And then now, you know, we're seeing those those and uh, end up in interceptions. So, yeah, I, I think like there's not too much to worry about there. I expect them to still kind of go out and do their thing. Now, we started the show talking about the 49ers on offense and the Rams defense. And now we're going to get to the absolute heartbeat of what's been fueling the 49ers over the last couple of games. And that is their defense. And you have to think to yourself that this has to be another too high heavy plan. This is something that the Niners love to go to when they're facing really high flying offenses. And based on what they've been able to do so far, especially to the Rams specifically, you think to yourself, this has to be another game where you're going to see a lot of, you know, cover four, cover six, and more too high shells because they've shown that they can stop the Rams running game even with seven man fronts. Right. Which is, I mean, those there's kind of two points there, right. That, that you want to look at with this that I think are, are very specific to the Rams and that's yeah. One Stafford is a lot better when you give him single high looks, right? So he's, he's basically is the difference in his performance goes from being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when he gets those single high coverage looks to down to just middle of the pack average type quarterback when he's going against the two high looks. And, and so uh, that's going to be a big thing to try to limit his success. And then the thing you worry about, right, when you do that is what we've talked about on the other side of the ball with the Rams, right, where you just kind of leave yourself a little bit more vulnerable to the run game and you allow uh, the team to kind of like eat up chunks of yardage there. And and that hasn't been the case for the Rams in the two games this season, at least. So when the 49ers have gone to open coverages, they've still been very successful stopping the Rams rushing attack. And, and so I think when you can do that, you get really the best of both worlds, right? Like you're, you're getting structurally better pass defense and you're not leaving yourself more open to, to getting gashed in the run game. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense against this team specifically and until they can show that they can come out and have some more success if you choose to go with those open coverages in the run game, like you got to just lean on that pretty heavily. Yeah, and, and I don't think that they're going to get exotic with how they're going to approach Cooper Cup. I don't think they're going to treat him quite the same way that they treated Devontae Adams because the, the, the Rams have other people to go to. The Rams have their speedster in Van Jefferson. They have Odell Beckham. I don't think that you can quite play the Rams quite like you can the Packers, where you know that Rodgers is going to match a punt and, and almost go to Devontae Adams with reckless abandon. They're still going to need to have a plan for Cooper Cup, but I don't know that it's going to be as as you know focused on Cooper Cup as they were on Devontae Adams. But the, the question still remains, though. Cooper Cup is someone who's kind of really still got his against the 49ers in both games. He's got, I think, at least over 115 yards in both games. And and so is that one of those things where it's like it's the cost of doing business and like he can get 150 yards or 180 yards and as long as they win, it doesn't matter? Or do you think the Niners are going to try to approach that a little bit differently and, and maybe continue to play Jimmy Ward in the slot against Cooper Cup like they did in week 18? 
I mean, something like that, I, I think, could make sense, right? And and this isn't something even just specific to Cup that they've done, uh, but they they like getting Jimmy Ward down into the slot when they have the opportunity to, right? Especially in third down situations. Um, uh, he oftentimes is the guy that comes down when they're playing man coverage. Uh, he's going to not be the single high safety in the middle of the field. He's going to come down and match up in coverage uh, because they feel like he is, and I think, probably mostly rightfully so one of their better coverage guys right and and so uh i I think it makes sense to do stuff like that and and get him some matchups down there but i don't think yeah that you can do the same sort of stuff that we saw against adams right i think part of that is just because of of alignment differences between adams and cup right cup spends a lot more time in the slot uh than Devontae adams does so it's the the types of coverages that they were running last week against the Packers where you get some doubles you get some brackets on on Adams are a lot easier to do and and get to when you're talking about a receiver that's aligned wide to the outside especially when he's isolated to the outside like the Packers would do so much right where they would line him up to one side of the field put trips to the opposite side and and so it's easier to get into those type of coverage looks uh when when that's the receiver that you're trying to give extra attention to when they're in the slot it's a little bit more difficult right not that you can't do it um and I'm sure they will try to do it in in some you know key situations maybe down deep in the red zone uh or, or something like that but yeah, I, I don't think that you can take that same sort of game plan where, where we want to make sure that we're getting you know double teams as frequently as possible on Cup uh, just because of how they're going to use him. Now, D'Amico Ryan's game plan against Aaron Rodgers was brilliant. I mean, the, the way that he disguised coverages in high leverage situations was great. The, that was last week's Patreon video. It was awesome. And, and, and I wonder if he's going to do something similar against Matt Stafford. I don't remember him disguising things quite to that degree in week 10 or week 18. I wonder if he's going to do that or if that was like a Rogers specific game plan. Like maybe he's got like the quarterbacks that we know can slice us up at all times. Like we're going to go ahead and disguise some more. But if it's Matt Stafford, maybe he hasn't ascended to that level quite yet. And so maybe we don't throw as much at him in terms of disguise. I'd be very curious to see whether or not they still go disguise heavy in high leverage situations or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it hurts, right? I, I think like, especially as long as you can execute it and, and they're only going to do it again in in the third down high leverage situations. Um, but yeah, just looking kind of quickly at at what Stafford's been able to do when teams, again, show some sort of disguise. And this is, again, the simple just kind of safety movement definition, uh, but it hasn't necessarily been great. I mean, he's 20th out of 30 qualifiers in, in terms of PFF passing grade when teams rotate their safeties after the snap. So certainly is something that that he hasn't had a ton of success against. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think like you know, in, in some of those moments, are they going to do it a ton? Or are we going to see a lot of the blitz stuff? Uh, you know, at least as much of it as we've seen in, in some recent games, I doubt it because Stafford has been a lot better against the blitz and that's specific against the 49ers as well. He's really just kind of shredded them when they've gone, uh, to the blitz, regardless of what the situation has been. So, and they haven't really, you know, been very good getting home in those situations to kind of make up for some of that. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think in terms of disguise, it would be nice, you know, some of the more sim pressure stuff that we saw them pop out for a play last week against the Packers, some more of that type of disguise, I think would, would make sense. So you can still say, stay pretty sound in coverage on the back end. 
Yeah, and it's in pressures where you, you effectively try to send what appears to be an extra rusher, but you're still only sending four at the end of the day. And the sim pressure against the, the Packers was that they're dropping out Nick Bosa as a coverage defender. Yeah, I would maybe Rob- switch that role out a little bit. Let's keep <laughs> Bosa uh, maybe going after the quarterback, keep him as one of the four. I don't know, just a, a suggestion. Hey Robert Sala's probably watching that game at home and smiling. He's like, they kept that play in. Talking you know? well. It's a, the only thing that was missing was maybe DJ Jones in coverage, uh, which has happened this season, even under D'Amico Ryans. Uh, but yeah, to, to put a fine point on Stafford's number versus the 49ers when they blitz, he's got a 93.2 PFF passing grade. He's 8 for 10 for 105 yards and two touchdowns, three big-time throws, no turnover-worthy plays, and only has one sack on 11 dropbacks. And I think that one sack was a blitz with Fred Warner that he kind of does a stunt uh, along the inside. Because uh, I remember thinking that that was like an effective blitz. But if that's the only one that gets home of all the ones that you're, that you're sending, <laughs> may- maybe don't do that. Yeah. Maybe don't do that. Um, because I think you're going to need players in coverage against the team like the Rams because they're dangerous. Yes, the Niners have won uh, the last six games. But it's not like each of, the, of those games has been incredibly dominant. The games where it's been dominant has been when the Niners have been able to really grind it out and run a lot. I mean, 44 runs in that Week 10 game, two interceptions of Stafford, that, that, that's going to be a big deal. If, this, if you're looking for a blowout win for the 49ers, if you're looking to keep your heart rate down and just have a fun, lazy, easy Sunday, you're hoping that the Niners' run game happens and you're hoping that Stafford throws a couple of early picks and, and give the Niners some extra possessions. But some of these games have been like, you know, high scoring 28 to, you know, 32 point games. And it comes down to like the final drive or two and, or even overtime. And, and that, you know, it, it feels like maybe that's where this game is headed and not so much a blowout one way or the other. I, I think it at least gives you, gives you some hope that they have found a way just this season, even right to win against this team in different ways, which, uh, isn't something, I mean, we've, we've spent so much of this season talking about kind of the 49ers formula and, and what needs to go right for them to, to end up with most of their wins. Right. And I think that's largely been true, but it is nice knowing that they've been able to kind of break from that. Right. That was what happened in the first game is they got the formula that they needed where they got the early lead. The run game was clicking. Everything kind of fell into place. Uh, and, and you you end up with a big win, right? But they were down again, seventeen points uh, in the second matchup there, and and they were able to come back. And I think that speaks to what we've been seeing from this team defensively and how they continue to kind of overperform and and just play so well on the back end despite kind of the uh, talent deficit that they have most of the time on on the outside, especially. And so, yeah, I, I think the the defense playing as well as they have and the fact that they've shown that they can kind of slow this team down, at least for stretches, right, gives you some hope that it doesn't need to necessarily be perfect for them to come away with a win in this game. All right, but here's the real question, David. And this is the last question before we get to quick hits. Perhaps the most important one, the one on everyone's mind. Who, who throws the first interception? <laughs> the Stafford first. or Garoppolo? <laughs> Oh man. Um Stafford. I'll go Stafford. Yeah, do it. What what do you got to lose? This is low stakes. Of course Stafford throws the first interception. Yeah. It's going to be wonderful. It's, you know, it's a it's playing the odds here. It's a volume thing, right? Uh, there he's going to throw the ball more. Uh he's going to have more opportunities Fair. to throw an interception. Fair. Yeah, but then Jimmy Garoppolo's interception rate is much higher. So yeah, I mean, you know, he doesn't you... need a lot of opportunities to throw an interception. <laughs> we we are well aware of this fact. Uh, but hey, again, I I'll I'll take my odds. He's gonna just the Stafford's probably gonna have like twenty more dropbacks than him in this game. 
Yeah, it's going to be great. I think the, the defense is going to get a takeaway or two. I just don't know if it's going to be an interception or a fumble because Cam Akers puts the ball on the ground too. I mean, he had a fumble that kept the 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 Bucks in the game when when they almost didn't make it to the NFC Championship game. So there there are opportunities to to get turnovers here, and the Niners I think are going to get their their hands on one or two, and that's I mean that's part of what makes the games really really messy. And if it's and if it if it becomes messy, the Niners know how to play messy games. They're, they've, yeah. they're used to playing messy games, and so they're, they're equipped for that. They're ready for it, and I think that this is, this is the path for the Niners to get to the Super Bowl. This is a very winnable game. It is. They've shown they can beat this team twice this season, this version of this team, even with you know not being at 100% because your, your left tackle is not playing. So even with the Rams superstars, I think you've, you've got to like the Niners' chances. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you couldn't ask for a better matchup for the 49ers uh, to try to get to Super Bowl, which is is fucking wild that we are talking about maybe going to a Super Bowl, uh, considering where this team has been at, at different points this season. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it feels like they're in a good situation. Obviously, uh, they're they're finding different ways to win. They're winning ugly. Uh, you know, they're getting a little luck with some special teams. So things are, are bouncing their direction right now and and yeah you just hope it can continue for at least one more game all right let's get some quick hits um this is not game related or week related but there was a story in the athletic this week that uh was taught it was basically what felt like a profile slash puff piece on mike singletary and why he's not being considered for the head coach of the chicago bears gee i wonder why uh and there was an article that that or in the article it said that Mike Singletary nixed a trade for Ben Roethlisberger in 2009, immediately after Roethlisberger had been accused of sexual assault. And the the quote from Singletary was that, uh, quote, I had been telling the team I wanted a team of character. He says, I felt I had to be true to that. But if I could do it again, I'd do it differently. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. That's... uh... That's nuts. I think that someone uh, said it right in the Discord uh, when we were talking about the story earlier today. It's like I'm surprised he had the 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 juice in the organization to make that call. I mean, because fair. yeah, Jed York and Trent Balky apparently came to him and said, "Hey, we've got this offer for this trade. You know, what do you want to do, brand new head coach?" And he was like, "No." And they were like, "All right, cool." Doesn't seem very Balkian, is all I'm saying. No, does not. No. Uh, Brown's vice president, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, is now uh, the Vikings general manager. He came up through the analytics world with the 49ers. He was the manager of football research and development from 2013 to 2016. Then he was promoted to director of football research and development from 2017 to 2019. Why is all that important? It's just the Vikings and the Browns and someone who could have been a third round pick for the 49ers, but instead went to the Browns first. It's important because he worked with D'Amico Ryans for three years. And D'Amico Ryans has already interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings job. So we've been gushing about D'Amico Ryans' game plans thus far. He may be the next Brandon Staley. He may be the next one and done and on to a head coaching job with Minnesota Vikings. That is all just drawing, you know, connections and dots. Nothing's been, <laughs> you know, reported by Schefter yeah. or anyone. Uh, and we certainly are not the, the the people to make those connections. Other smarter people have made those connections for us. But I think, you know, it's important to note that the Niners may lose their defensive coordinator and they could get third round picks as a result because it would be a minority promotion to a head coaching gig. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it a little last week, I think. Um, and, and that, yeah, I mean, obviously it would suck because it, it doesn't feel necessarily like they've got some, like a clear 
person in line to take over and kind of continue with where this defense has been going for, you know, the last, what, four or five years uh, and and kind of the progress that they've had. And I think all, all these core pieces that they have there, ideally you would like to keep them in in this system that they've had so much success with right and, and so i think that's kind of the worrisome thing is is yeah if you do lose ryan's after one year who are you going to get uh you know and, and obviously if you get you can get somebody like fangio or whatever like we talked about too that's that's excellent but um yeah i just don't know who exactly you're looking to right away in-house uh to take over if that's the direction you want to go uh dante johnson he has had, I mean, he's going to be one of the longest tenured 49ers. On, they have a 10-year wall in the 49ers facility. I think Dante Johnson's getting close to that 10-year wall. And his his career is just all over the place, right? He's been like kind of decent, kind of crappy, cut, signed, cut, signed, goes to Seattle, comes back, cut, signed, cut, signed. And now he's, he's, you know, he's good enough. He's sticking around. He's making plays. That barnacle was because he stuck around almost in spite of the fact that Niners tried to cut him. And now... He's the barnacle because he's sticky. He's sticky on wide receivers. He's sticky all over the place. Man, he's had he's had a ride, and, and I'm happy that he is here. He is absolutely an honorary member, and not just because of his nickname, uh, for what it is that he can do on, uh, on the football field. Dante Johnson, that's <laughs> off to you, my friend. That's <laughs> off to you. Jawan Jennings is fourth in the NFL in run blocking grade with a minimum of 90 snaps. That's all. That's a stat. One that's of the it. best... Run blocking wide receivers in the NFL, Juwan Jennings. I still love you, Juwan Jennings. You're wonderful. You're great. <laughs> Continue to hunt for people at the end of runs and hit them and get them irritated. Every every single game, he does it to someone. He hits them just like on the smidge of late and <laughs> gets them really irritated. And you know what? I'm here for it. You play I'm to the echo it. of the whistle, right? Yep. That's how it goes. Last week, we talked about whether or not that failed fourth down run was supposed to hit inside or outside. Shanahan confirmed that it was supposed to go outside. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Brunskill and Mac both got blown up, and that's what caused the uh, the run to kind of collapse there in the middle. But that's it. Uh, so this comes from Rick Goslin. The 49ers-Rams NFC title game is drawn referee Carl Cheffers. The Cheffers crew assessed the most penalties in the NFL this season, Wonderful. I'm looking at you, Ambry Thomas. LA Rams are two and four all time with Cheffers. The Niners, nine and eight. They were the hardest of the NFL's 17 crews on home teams in 2021. All I'm saying is if you're looking for the refs to not be involved, this may not be the game. <laughs> you're going deep this week. Deep with uh, you know, we're getting into to ref stats here. This is uh there is, is crazy. one game in the NFC to watch, and this is it. There is a lot. There's a lot of stuff around this. And, you know, wasn't really busy week of work. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. So uh, the NFC best is an NFC uh, human centipede, basically. Uh, in the last six games, the Rams are 0-6 against the Niners. The Seahawks are 1-5 against the Rams. And the Niners are 1-5 against the Seahawks. Uh, and the Arizona Cardinals just, you know, Cliff Kingsbury beats themselves up. So that's it. And finally, we'll end here. And this is from our friend at ESPN, Nick Wagoner. The 49ers are the first team to enter a conference championship on a win streak of six-plus games against their opponent since the 2017 Patriots, who had won seven straight against the Jaguars. And New England wins that game against the Jaguars, 24-20 in the AFC title game. That was the year that Jimmy Garoppolo also beat 
the Jacksonville Jaguars. And here we are. Full we circle. Are. And maybe one of Jimmy Garoppolo's final games as a 49er. Connected via win streaks, the Jaguars, the LA Rams, and now potentially another Super Bowl appearance. Super Bowl preview starts now. Let's go. Let's do it. Who would you rather who would you rather face if the Niners make it? Ugh. Bengals or the Chiefs? Man. I mean, neither. <laughs> Can we bring the Bills back or something? I don't know. I don't know. Um God. I feel like it's probably got to be the Bengals just because, yeah. you know, we've at least already seen him once and I don't know. Yeah, I just I mean, I it's terrifying to play Mahomes, but it's also terrifying to to play Burrow right now. So, yeah, ne- neither of those are, are necessarily great matchups. Yeah, I just feel like it, it's got to be the Bengals because a you've already beat them and two, yes, Joe Burrow is very good, but I feel like Joe Burrow is still young enough in his football career that you can maybe disguise him or force him into a mistake especially against that offensive line. That offensive yeah. line cannot block anyone um and so you know that i feel like that's ultimately what tips it towards the, the 49ers in in a game like that so yeah i'd absolutely want to face the Bengals, uh and i don't want to have my soul crushed by Mahomes again 13 seconds yeah, all could the do without needs. could do without that yeah. yeah well that does it for this week's edition of the better rivals podcast uh you can follow me on twitter at better rivals david tell about the patreon they may only get one or two more video breakdowns we're coming down to the end here patreon.com slash better rivals get in while it's hot get in on this this uh potential super bowl run here right uh go there buy us a beer you get all the fun stuff the the on-demand video the live streams the weekly video breakdowns a thriving discord community get there get in on the action you know what I'm going to do? I'm feeling generous. Everyone who's watching us right now, they've already seen the Patreon video. They've seen the breakdown of D'Amico Ryan's Sky's coverages. I'm going to go ahead and flip the switch on the YouTubes and make that one public. So if you're listening right now, not sure what the hell we're talking about, not sure what those videos are all about, just go to the YouTube page. Go to the Patreon. Go wherever you get your videos. We'll, we'll be there. We'll talk to you about D'Amico Ryan's. Watch the video. Enjoy. Then maybe buy us a beer afterwards. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to need all the beers because we're going to drink them and stomp all over Levi South, all over Levi Stadium, all over the 49ers home stadium down south, the one they should have built in the north. Maybe, maybe too soon. <laughs> I don't know. Think about the sun, Jed York. Think about the sun. Uh, and uh, and we'll be here, I think, next week, hopefully, with Super Bowl preview. But that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, go Niners. Go Niners.